Hey, this is Sammy Reinstein, and you're listening to Conversation Starters. On this show, we talk all about bringing conversations back to B2B marketing and selling. Because if there's one thing we know about doing business in the revenue era, it's that the best customer experience wins. Through the power of our own conversations with drifters, customers, and special guests, we'll learn how to deliver a sales and marketing experience that puts the buyer first. Let's get into it. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Sammy. Last episode. I can't believe it's our last episode. Season one in the books. It has been so much fun. It's been a fun ride. And I'm really excited about our guest for today. Yes, ending it with our first international guest. Our first international guest, Verity Price, who you have something in common with. Vaguely, yes. (laughs) You're not South African, but you both went to something called Toastmasters. Yes, I'm just on a much lesser scale. But um, Verity is the international world champion of public speaking through the Toastmasters competition. For people who don't know what Toastmasters is, it's an international organization all focused on leadership and public speaking. Usually they meet like once a week and have different speeches that you can write and present. You gather feedback. There's also a lot of other roles at the club, like the grammarian. So making sure you're speaking correctly. The ah and um counter, which gets you every time. Like you said, 36 ums in an hour. Bad. Drift has the Toastmasters here, and so I was involved with it when we were in office, and now we're taking a virtual approach, which is something you and Verity talk about today. Um, But it is a really great organization. I encourage anyone, if you're hesitant about public speaking or just have a lot of presentations coming up for work, to get involved. They're really all over. I know there's like a million in Massachusetts. My dad has done a few of them. Verity actually got involved with Toastmasters during the pandemic, and as you have said, has that's quite the productive use of time during a pandemic, way more productive than I ever did. So I'm really excited for you to talk to her today. I am very excited to talk to Verity, the world champion of public speaking. So before this, I took a big gulp of water. I looked at myself in the mirror. I did some, you know, breathe in, breathe out. But I was so excited to learn from her. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, thank you, Verity, so much for coming on the podcast. Elizabeth and I were just talking about how excited we are to talk to you and how much we anticipate learning from you. So thank you so much for coming on. So lovely to be here. I gave the audience a little bit of background on who you are, but can you just reiterate a little bit about you and how you came to the title of world champion of public speaking? Wow. I'm trying to think of the short way to to give you that story, but I think what's important is to share that I wasn't always comfortable speaking. In fact, I used to skip school if it was my turn to read an assembly. I was terrified of being on stage. And then I started songwriting while I was studying psychology at university. And I was like, what do I do with this? Because this involves singing. And I I had to go through quite a journey to build up the courage. It actually involved losing my father to make me go, life is short and I don't want to spend my life being afraid. And that gave me the courage to start singing. 
my singing career didn't end up winning Grammys and touring the world like I'd hoped, but I crowdfunded an album back in 2005. So it was before anyone had down, done things like that online. And so what happened was I became very famous for innovation and thinking differently, and my career as a speaker was born. And in the middle of all of that, I joined Toastmasters as a way to just build on my skills. And to be perfectly honest, the only reason I'm the world champion is because of this crazy lockdown. I was a new mother. I would not have been joining anything, but I was at home. It was virtual and I was able to compete. I was able to travel all around the world from the comfort of my bedroom and so fortunate to have finally brought home the title of world champion to Africa for the first time. So that's the short version of how I got here. Wow. Some people during quarantine learned how to bake bread and you became the world champion of public speaking. <laughs> I still haven't learned how to bake bread, though, so I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone has different different ways of interpreting lockdown. <laughs> um, that's That's so interesting to hear also that you weren't always comfortable speaking in front of people. And when I was little, I went to speech language pathology. And then it was also for me singing that brought me to a place where I felt comfortable in front of people and then eventually also comfortable talking and speaking to others and feeling more comfortable on a stage. Amazing. Uh, And I want to read a quick quote as I was researching you. And after I read the quote, I would love for you to elaborate a bit more on it. So the quote reads, The bun is your introduction, and conclusion is what gets the audience interested in biting in. The actual burger is your content. A great burger is never overfilled. It has just enough for people to enjoy, but not overwhelm them. That is why focusing on less than five points that all support a single message makes the world of difference. And I loved reading this quote and this analogy of a great speech to a hamburger, A, because I'm a big foodie and anything that relates to food I love, and B, as I'm thinking in marketing about crafting my story, there's so much noise out there, and it's very easy to get lost in everything about what makes you the best or all of the you know bullet points about a product. And when you really boil it down, that's where the meat of the story is. Can you elaborate a bit more on that quote and that analogy? Absolutely. It's it's the way I teach people to present and how to write a great speech. And and I love the hamburger analogy because, and I know in the US, you get those those hamburgers that look like that, where they've got nine patties and, you know, people have them as an eating competition. But unfortunately, a lot of speakers, that's what they try to deliver to their audience and they give them indigestion. So for me, it's it's a little hamburger, but the, the top bun is your introduction, and that needs a little bit of crunch, a little bit of people going, ooh, that looks interesting, I want to take a nibble, so that's why you have to grab attention early on. And then in the middle, you've got the, the meat, which is your main point, your main story, and two or three bits of garnish, you know, those are the little extra points that support the main message. And the conclusion for me, which which I think makes for a great presentation and a great burger, is if you look at the bun, it actually once was whole. Someone's cut it in half and they've put everything in the middle. So your conclusion is made of the same material as your introduction. And if you can link back to how you started and bring the audience back to where they began, it also lets you don't then need to say, in conclusion, 
it's very clear that you're getting to the end and you go here, enjoy, digest, take it home. So that's why I like to think of it as a hamburger. And sometimes clients come back and say, oh, I've just seen my speech and it looks like I've got nine patties in there and no one's going to remember anything I've said. And then my job is to go, how do we make it more digestible? That is a great analogy. We have a content marketer on our team who often says, kill your darlings in terms of editing out. Can you expand on that a little bit more of when someone comes to you and they have so much, what can people do to start to try to edit out things that may not be necessary to that story? Mm. So it is the hardest part of writing a speech and, and great content. And I think what helps is you have to have a single message that you're communicating. And often why there's so much is there's three or four points that, that someone's trying to get to the audience. They're not going to remember all of them. So the courage is to say, I'm actually just trying to say one thing well, and that helps you to edit down. So as an example, I've got a keynote called Activate Optimism, which is based on my own experience of moving from depression or from what I call from from stressed to blessed and and all the lessons that I learned. And it's based on positive psychology. So there was so much material out there while I was trying to craft a keynote. So what I do when I look at all that info, I go back and I go, what is the one message I'm trying to get across? And when I identified that it was happy habits today become successful results tomorrow, that was the key message of the whole speech. Now you've heard it. You don't even need to listen to the whole one. Well, maybe you still want to listen, but it's one key thing I'm communicating. Then I look at all my information and I go, those three examples illustrate that message. These three you know, case studies illustrate that message. And then it keeps it really, really simple. So have one thing you're communicating and then look at all your data and go, is this strengthening the message or is it diluting it? discard, 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 because you can always come back. But it's you've got like a piece of marble and you're chipping away and you're trying to find David inside, but you've got to let go of some of it. So I think when you know that one key thing you're communicating, it's easier to edit. The courage to tell one message, that is something that I'm going to take into my week. I'm very excited <laughs> to use that in my work. I also love that analogy of an artist too. You know, if an artist is trying to say too many things within a painting or a drawing, you might get lost and you might not understand that core to what they're trying to say. Yeah. That's very interesting. And um, on that note too, in our day-to-day -day as marketers, we're often thinking about audience. And audience is very important to telling and making sure that you're communicating that right story and that that one message resonates with that audience. How do you think about audience in your speech writing? Audience is everything because at the end of the day, the speech is for them. And I, I'm, I can never remember who said it, but they said average speakers worry about themselves. Good speakers worry about their message. Great speakers worry about their audience. And so ultimately what you're giving, and, and one of the things I've realized since winning the world championship is that a speech is a gift you give to the audience. And so you have to craft it for them in mind because there's nothing worse. And I'm sure we've all had this when someone gives you a gift and it's what they want. And they're going, 
you know, I love bowling. I think it was in The Simpsons. Homer gave Marge a bowling ball, and she was like, this is the perfect size for your hand. Why have you given me this bowling ball? So that's a classic case of not understanding your audience. So you have to go, where are they at? What do they need? And again, that comes back to that single message. The message has to be universal, and it has to meet a, a fundamental human need. You know, people want to be successful, they want to be happy, they want to be safe, they want to feel seen, acknowledged. I mean, there's very broad themes that all humans have in common. When you've honed in on that's the need I'm meeting in my audience, then you step back and go, how do I deliver it to them in a way that's relevant and current to them? And that's where you would plan maybe a bit of humor that's relevant to that audience. But at the end of the day, as you say in marketing as well, it is all about the audience. It's not about you. It's not about the product. It's how does it serve them? How does it make their life better? Okay, so this uh, holiday season and Valentine's Day and everything, make sure you listen to Verity. And when you're gift shopping, make sure you're thinking about your audience. But let's say that I'm Marge and (laughs) I get that bowling ball and it's actually the shape of Homer's hand. And I give Homer some feedback and I say, Homer, this is, this doesn't feel personal to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Of course that's, you know, marriage feedback, but in terms of regular feedback, that's something that uh, you have talked about before and that in your first drafts of speeches, you struggled to, to take that feedback. How have you learned to accept feedback and put it into your work? And what advice can you give for people to accept that feedback? So this has probably been my biggest learning this year. And I teach growth mindset. I I talk about Carol Dweck's work in my corporate workshops. And so I know that a growth mindset is about being able to work with feedback and a fixed mindset often ignores it. But what happens is when we get quite good at what we do, we get quite attached to what we do. And so I noticed how stuck I was when I got my first bit of feedback from a former world champion, Lance Miller. I played in my speech and it was before our Southern African finals. And I thought I really, you know, I'd already won four levels. Surely I had a great speech. And when he started giving me feedback on what I should change, I watched my ego not want to write down one thing. And so so this was the key learning. The ego is always going to show up and it's going to want to defend. It's going to want to be right. It's not going to want to listen. And then I believe that on the, on the other hand, there's your soul going, pay attention. So all I did was I, I kind of, I picked up my pen and I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wrote it down, even though there was all this resistance, I kept, I had another voice going, Verity, write this down. This is a world champion. He knows what he's talking about. Yes, you're going to want to resist it, but don't miss this opportunity. And then I had to self-coach myself to apply the feedback. So it was it was a battle of wills, but I had a much better speech at the end of it. And just that little bit of moving outside of the comfort zone, applying feedback that I wasn't comfortable with, and then seeing that the result was better made me a lot more open to inviting the feedback in. And I think you have to accept the ego is always going to be there. We are human. So there's going to be times when it goes, I don't want to listen. Give yourself give yourself a beat. Come back. Go, is there something here that I'm missing? And what I learned to do was I received feedback from more than 200 people on my speeches. So it was exhausting. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I started looking for trends. If I keep hearing the same thing, 
I need to change. And I think that's all of us. We need to go, if I keep getting that feedback and I'm ignoring it, the only person who's really losing out is me. So really go, are there trends in the feedback I'm getting? What's a small change I can make? Can I step out of my comfort zone, do something differently, adjust and change? And and you kind of fail, fail forward. Use the feedback, make friends with feedback. It's it's the game changer. Fail forward. That's definitely something I will keep in mind. I can become really attached to something that I write. And in my head, I can say, oh my gosh, this is so good. I can't wait to show my manager this. And then I get those bits of feedback and you just feel your ego go, oh my gosh, that hurts. <laughs> but I like the what you say about looking for those trends mm-hmm. because if people are identifying those, you can go back and you can you know, change that and you can fail forward and learn for your next project to implement those. Mm-hmm. I like what you say about trends too is because it can help you focus on that overall theme or message and sort of ignore what I would call feedback that goes against your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, there is still something about bad feedback too that can potentially be detrimental to something that you're working mm-hmm. on. So what would you say about sort of identifying feedback that doesn't feel exactly right to you? I think I love that you use the word gut because it's it's quite an instant knowing. And I had feedback like that in my, my journey to world champion, especially actually in my, my speech that I won the semifinals with. It was about my mom and it was about her journey into alcoholism after my dad died. And so it was quite a personal speech, but it was ultimately around leadership and how we can all leave the world better than we find it. But some people would go, I really don't think you should be talking about alcoholism and your mom being in rehab. And I thought, well, no, that's the truth. That's what happened. And I'm okay with that. That's the story. I'm not glossing over something very real, you know, to to lose out. But other feedback I got was I changed things as I was going. And then someone came back going, it's feeling very disrespectful of your parents. And I went, ah. I must go back to how I was doing it earlier. So I think you do have to listen to that gut instinct, even though you need to know the difference between gut and ego, because the ego will also Mm. be very like, no, I'm not going to change this. It's perfect the way it is. And you are always welcome to listen to that, but you'll find you don't get the results you want because you'll, you'll hit up and go, Oh, I I should have listened. So it's, it's trusting that. And actually what my coach Lance Miller said to me at the end, I was, I had two and a half months of touring virtually around the world. I spoke at 40 clubs in 16 countries and I was getting overwhelmed. And he said, Verity, take it all in, but you need to choose your safe people to listen to. And and he and my sister and my husband, I had kind of my core circle of people who I was exhausting with listening to the speeches over and over again. But those were my safe people that were really in my corner. So have your, your core people to get feedback from and then take what you need from broader feedback. That's amazing advice. And I must say, after watching your world champion speech on YouTube, which I highly recommend everyone do, we'll link it. Um, all of that feedback definitely worked. And I was inspired by how personal it was and also how well it followed what we talked about earlier in that hamburger analogy Great introduction, great middle, great ending. And it was all over. It was on Zoom. 
you yeah. you gave that presentation or you know virtually mm. it was virtual and a lot of things that we are doing these days is virtual and people are giving presentations really big presentations over zoom or over you know virtual platforms what advice can you give to people as they navigate this world of presenting virtually i think it's that you need to bring the same energy that you would to a live audience and things like the chat box that's your friend use it get people to engage the emojis i say come on let's see some funny emojis so i mean obviously when i'm presenting or doing a keynote online i've got that space in a contest we didn't have that opportunity but i think it does allow us to let people put memes in the chat and keep the humor going. So so build that interaction into your presentation. It's not just about suddenly a slide pops up and you're a little box on the on the side talking. You're not just a voice. It's your energy. You are the star of the show. So practice with this space and go, can I use body language to illustrate something I'm talking about so I'm not just relying on slides or my virtual background? And so I think it's a, it's a capability and a skill all of us can, can learn, but you've got to talk to that camera like that is the most important person that you are speaking to because we're actually speaking to far bigger audiences now as a result of this virtual world. So you want to bring all of you to that. Yeah, that's definitely, we are talking to so many more people. Uh, you know, you're in South Africa right now. I'm in Boston. You mentioned earlier that you were talking to lots of people in the U.S. today. But I, I love that advice and keeping it interactive. At Drift, we use the chat a lot yeah. just to, you know, do polls or talk to each other. And it's really nice connecting and having those people as connectors. Finally, to wrap everything up, you mentioned earlier you weren't as comfortable public speaking, and now, of course, you're the world champion. What advice can you give to people who are looking to get started who might be a bit more nervous or introverted in getting started with public speaking? Well, the easy advice is to find a local Toastmasters club and join because it is the most inclusive, supportive, and encouraging environment to build those skills. And speaking and presenting is not something you can read about. It's not something you can learn. It's something you do. You learn by doing. And so Toastmasters allows that space for people to do another speech, try a different role, get feedback, get friends with feedback, apply it, improve. So it's look for those spaces where you can keep speaking and build that capability because I have seen incredibly nervous speakers go through this program and find their voice, find their authentic message. They didn't become extroverted overnight. They weren't trying to go out there and become, you know, Tony Robbins. But when they spoke and when they speak, people listen. And that's something we can all develop. So I would say find whether it's Toastmasters or just a space where you can speak regularly and build the capability, that's the way to do it. Verity, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have certainly learned a lot. I'm excited to use all of these lessons in my week and in all of my work. Thank you so much. Thank you. So lovely to be with you. I could listen to Verity talk all day. I could also listen to Verity talk all day. And she was amazing. I didn't want it to end. 
I do somewhat plan on just finding all of her speeches and binging them. <laughs> I feel like it would be good to have it, like, in the background, like, while working, just, like, listening to her talk. Maybe that would, like, help me talk better. I agree. I agree. I'm going to listen to her speeches and take the burger analogy into everything I do. I'm really going to try. I thought you were going to say you're going to eat a burger while listening to her speeches, and I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. But I mean, I would love both, a burger yeah. and listening to the speeches. Yeah. That sounds like an ideal an ideal night. <laughs> yes. I did love her burger analogy, though. I actually think I had something similar in like my fourth grade English class of how to write an essay, but it's funny that I never thought to take the essay and, like, also apply that to speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it goes so deep into everything we do. There's speaking and then just generally what she's saying about storytelling mm-hmm. is so relevant to thinking about marketing campaigns and thinking about your audience and thinking about that one message. I loved what she said, the courage to take that and have one message. Because there are so many things that we all think we're amazing at and that we think our story tells an amazing you know whatever but focusing on that that's something that I'm really on the one thing yes and it goes back to we always say a drift right like you talk Mm -hmm. and so it kind of works both ways and yeah shout out to Sarah Frazier with the kill your darlings reference you all heard Sarah earlier this uh season but I'm sure she loved talking to Verity too yeah and when you listen to her winning speech, you can tell that it started from a place of, right, like you talk, and a very personal place, and it completely draws you in, is so engaging, and I do really recommend everyone go listen to it. Yes, we'll link it in the show notes for you all to go check out. Um, But I think that was a Personally, I might be biased. A great episode to wrap the season on. I know. I can't believe it's the last episode of the season. I know. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. We're going to come back in the spring with season two. We hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to submit any feedback. Um, You can email at uh, podcast.drift.com. Leave a six-star review. (laughs) We're always accepting. If you missed an episode, you can... Go back, give it a listen. Highly recommend. Yes, I have learned from Verity to accept feedback and (laughs) kill my ego. So the feedback, the reviews, everything is so helpful. And thank you for sticking around this season. I've learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. And I can't wait to learn more in season two. Thanks so much for listening to Conversation Starters. If you liked this episode, please leave us a six-star review by clicking the link in the show notes. And hit subscribe so you never miss another one. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sammy Reinstein and follow all of our shows at Drift Podcasts.